Welcome to The Workplace, the program about how to get into, get along, and get ahead at work, produced and presented by me, NND. AI season here on The Workplace is back after a brief hiatus during the month of October to accommodate the Black History Month UK 2023 series. This is episode 5 in the AI season here on the program, and we are taking a look at AI in the medical field with Annie Woodson, Director at Triple Dot Makers, Samantha Johnson, Chief Executive at Echo Charity, and Tareen DeWood, a PhD researcher at King's College London, who talk about their installation, Artificial Intelligence, in the Science Gallery exhibition, AI, Who's Looking After Me? Artificial Intelligence was created in collaboration with artists and young people aged 11 to 25 affected by heart conditions. It is an art machine which used AI to provide a visual representation of medical data garnered from patients, explore their healthcare journey with AI, and their concerns around trust in AI. AI Who's Looking After Me is on at Science Gallery London until the 20th of January 2024. For more information, please visit london.sciencegallery.com and search for Artificial Intelligence to view the installation, as well as triple.makers.com, echo-uk.org, forward slash echo, teens and the King's College website kcl.ac.uk and to keep up with this and all the other work and workplace related conversations that take place here on the workplace please connect with me using hashtag workplace nnd AI season here on the workplace has been realized with the generous support of ARC Club the fabulous co-working space that is more than just a workspace please visit arc-club Dot com and arc is spelled A-R-C. Welcome to the workplace. If you could please just introduce yourselves. My name's Annie Woodson. I'm one of the directors of Triple Dot Makers, which is a small company based in Manchester. And we make animations and installations and documentaries mainly for cultural venues, so galleries and museums and theatres. Uh, the other director is Jim Dawson. We've been working together for about 15 years or so. So we came together to work on this project with Science Gallery London and Echo Teens and King's College. Hi there, my name's Samantha Johnson and I'm the Chief Executive of Echo Charity. I've worked here for almost 10 years and have been part of the children's art community for much longer. My own father passed away with a congenital heart condition that was undiagnosed and I've always wanted to ensure that parents, carers and patients have a voice across their medical and social needs and receive emotional and practical support to complement their amazing medical care. ECHO is a small charity supporting families affected by children's heart conditions who've been treated by the Evelina London, Guy's and St Thomas's and the Royal Brompton and Harefield Trusts. ECHO welcomes families to a community of shared experience and understanding and we provide practical and emotional support at every stage of their journey. This year ECHO is celebrating its 40th birthday so we really are in a good position to be able to support patients, carers, siblings right from the moment of diagnosis that could be in the womb or throughout childhood and into adult care. We work in hospitals and in the community. 
Hi, my name is Tereen Dawood. I'm from South Africa and I have an electrical engineering background, but I furthered my studies in biomedical engineering. And that actually allows me to join my skill sets as well as my passion for helping everyone around me in terms of healthcare. And that's all put together in one degree. I'm a final year PhD student at King's College London. So that's one of Europe's largest centers for medical and professional healthcare education. And how I assisted with the exhibition at uh, the science gallery was that I did so from a researcher's perspective. So I tried sharing my insights on the topic of trustworthy AI. So that's the main theme of my work. And I did as much as I could sharing my learnings and experiences to help provide an understanding of our view of AI from a research perspective. And that's actually that we see it as a support tool. And also quite importantly, I learned a lot from the Ecoteens group myself and the fact that we should also potentially be looking at how we can include patients when we're building these AI models themselves. Tell us what you intend to share with us today. Aspects on views from the triple dot makers in the collaboration with the Ecoteen group and AI in patients' healthcare journeys, as well as how do we've developed, you know, trust in AI. Let's begin with the collaboration between Triple Dot Makers and Echo Teens. We were given an open brief to submit a proposal for the Science Gallery London to work on their project exploring AI. And this one particularly was working with Echo Teens exploring AI in healthcare. And the idea was to start a conversation about that. So not kind of look into specifics so much as have that conversation between us, between researchers at King's College. London and the young people who are part of the Echo Teens group. So we put in a proposal as we've been working with AI generated visuals. So we wanted to explore that a bit more in these workshops to create a piece for Science Gallery London. We were successful with our proposal and very quickly we began by meeting Echo Teens. Shall, shall I pass to you, Sam, because you know about the process from before we even got involved, don't you? It was a, such an amazing opportunity for young people with heart conditions and their siblings to get involved in this piece of work. To be able to produce a piece of art, so co-collaborate on a piece of art with artists and researchers. So young people were involved right across the way to setting up a brief for artists to apply for interviewing and shortlisting and then for choosing the final art group and that was Triple Dot Makers. Young people got to meet them online so we did a virtual kind of series of workshops where they were online and they were in person. We had a lot of fun working with them and to be able to be heard. So young people given a voice about what it's like living with a heart condition and sharing that with the public just came through and through the importance of it. Triple Dot Makers not only had experience in AI, but they also had experience in listening to young people and our group of Echo Teens, so that's young people aged 11 to 25 with heart conditions or their siblings just felt very heard and are very honoured that something is sitting in a public space and people can learn from it. So the final artwork or submission was called Artificial Intelligence and is that what is up on display now in the exhibition at Science Gallery? Yeah, that's right. So what is the significance of the name Artificial Intelligence? Well, should I maybe talk a little bit more about the process of creating the work first and that led us to the title as well. Okay. So as Sam said, we had the online meetings and that was with the researchers as well. So maybe Tarina will tell us about that. 
in a minute but we also had one day where we all met face to face which is quite difficult to get everybody together but we must have had 20 people I think all together in the room and we'd been building what we called an art machine in preparation for this workshop so we brought this art machine down which was a PC with various things plugged into it so we had a heart sensor plugged into it we had a connect plugged into it we had a microphone plugged into it these were all different ways of recording people's sort of bodily data so with the heart sensor obviously that's recording people's heart rate with the connect it was recording people's depth so as they were moving around you could record the data about their bodies and how they were moving and with the microphone recording people's voices the young people were then able to see their data visualized as particles on the screen and they were able to control how those particles look so the idea was that ai is creating banks and banks of data about ourselves all the time but what we wanted to do through this workshop was sort of take control of that data and represent it in an art piece and see how it is when we feel a bit more in control of how our data is visualized and through that workshop we were trying to decide with the young people which of those inputs they would like to use in the final exhibition so what would they like their visitors to the exhibition to do when they interact with it and they all decided that they wanted to use the heart sensor so that's what we've got in the final installation we've got a heart sensor connected why did they choose the heart sensor uh i think it it from my point of view it seemed like it most represented their experience what do you think sam I think what came through for the workshops from the young people is that they wanted this opportunity for members of the public to understand what it might be like to be a young person living with a heart condition. And heart conditions actually is quite invisible, so you don't always know by looking at somebody that they have this quite complex medical condition. It came through loud and clear, actually, that they wanted to speak about it, although for many of our groups and activities... The heart is the commonality, it brings people together, but it doesn't always mean that that's all we look at. We look at the young person as a whole. So I think the heart monitor and the name, artificial intelligence, kind of helped them to elevate what they were living. So their lives and their lived experience with the very clever workings of the people that know much more about AI. Well, actually, what struck me about the title was obviously it's a play on words on artificial intelligence but i felt the symbolism was very profound going to the core the heart of what distinguishes humans from machines is the heart and i thought maybe that had something to do with it but maybe not so tell us the final piece what that looks like on display in the exhibition as i've described we've got a heart sensor that visitors will then put their finger into and it records their heart rate which then triggers on the screen the particles to move in sync with their heart rate at the same time they're seeing drawings that the young people have created of their own hearts and they're listening on headphones to a conversation between the young people and researchers in ai so that was another big part of the project was facilitating these conversations between young people who might not have much knowledge about ai and the researchers who had a deep knowledge about it and the idea of that is to again and start that conversation, not just with the young people and the researchers, but to open that out to visitors. Tell us about how AI is being used in the healthcare journeys of patients in general. I think maybe what I'd like to start from is more in terms of 
you know, the workload that's currently, in terms of the NHS, that we see that they're overworked and the strain that's occurring there currently and the world at large. So I think from this perspective, I can say we need solutions to identify where these backlogs are occurring and what we can do with technological advancements to improve and provide better care. So taking that stance, then we as researchers see AI as a tool that we can use to support clinicians and their duty. So then in terms of how we can use that to impact healthcare journeys across boards, so babies, children, adolescents, and maybe something less controversial is that AI can actually be used to analyze large volumes of information, gather it, refine it, identify important clinical markers, and then based on that, create kind of fingerprints for diagnosis. And for instance, we could use that to triage patients. And in that way, we can reduce patient times. And furthermore, we can use AI to kind of do the tedious aspects of healthcare workflows, the documentations. And in that way, we can potentially have more time in terms of the clinician's perspective to spend that with patients. But I guess in terms of advancements, I think we'll probably see big strides being made maybe 10 years as a thumbsack, I would say. But the thing is, there's a lot that needs to be done in terms of how we collaborate, how we make these tools more accessible. And perhaps some changes could be, you know, with radiology, for instance, and that's where I see quite a few advancements occurring. We could have some automated imaging tools, for instance, or we could have kind of regimes that could be improved and made personalized, for instance, for cancer treatment. And I think also we could see AI making some big strides in terms of drug discovery, in terms of creating more effective outcomes for patients. So that's kind of the journey and kind of the impact that I see it can have. So you've shared the positives, but are there any downsides to consider? I think, yes, with everything, there's always a positive um, and a negative, and there's kind of a balance that you need to achieve. But I'll start with one of the big challenges that I'm aware of, and that is in terms of how do we regulate AI in terms of making it safe and reliable. So I see there's this big global urgency currently, and there's some good intentions, but there's a lot that needs to be done, not just in countries specifically, but globally, to figure out how will you manage AI and what is the term as safe. So safe, for instance, if you're performing a surgery, what level of safe does the robot need to be? Is it eight out of 10 surgeries? And then how do you measure that? Or for instance, when you're saving data and you're using it for models, uh, where's the personal protection in that aspect? And then maybe also another aspect is the ethics. AI in general, are biases that are evident in society going to be propagated into our models and how do we mitigate that? So we should think about all these things when we build our models as well. But safe to say that in the medical field, it's quite rigorous in terms of deploying new tech. So I think that's why we you know, hear a lot about AI and what it can potentially contribute to the healthcare journeys of patients, but we don't see it all materializing at once now. And that's because we need to think about all of these things like safety and reliability and who do we hold accountable if something goes wrong. And these are the kind of things that we're also trying to incorporate into our research so that hopefully that can then be propagated into deploying it safely and for using for patients in order to essentially help them. Could I add something to that? Mm-hmm. I just really wanted to talk about what young people thought might be a downside and it was really interesting how it came through about relationships so human to human contact and AI and healthcare particularly needs to be very cautious about how it's removing any human contact and the young people were very clear about you know having built relationships with people so whether that's doctors nurses or specialists over the years they didn't want it replaced solely with AI so I think it's really good when projects like this come up and they're giving young people or adults or carers or patients a voice and an opportunity to just talk through those situations and those concerns. It also came out in those conversations with the young people I thought it was interesting they were saying if there was an error 
in their healthcare that they would be a lot more forgiving of a doctor than they would of AI. And it seemed like there's a lot of work to do in building that trust. What was the reason they would be more forgiving of a human than a machine? I think that they could understand that humans make errors, but that they thought AI, if it can make an error, it shouldn't exist. Well, that's very interesting. I think on that point, that's an interesting one because that's the challenge that we have with AI. How do you make it safe and reliable? Is it should be exactly the same as a human? Then we have to measure the human's inaccuracies. But I think AI shouldn't be seen as the be all end all of you know solving everything, but it should be the tool. And I think if you use it as a tool, then the doctor has the ability to say, I'll use it or I won't. So in that way, you can have trust in AI because there's still that human interaction through the doctor. So I think that was also something quite nice to talk to the echo teens about because then they were like, okay, that makes sense. So when they don't feel comfortable, they can also relate that to the doctor and then the doctor can show them potentially what the AI is showing them and they can use it, you know, to help them infer their final decisioning and how they want to utilize the AI. I'm very heartened by the fact that teens want the human element to be present in their healthcare journey. Is there anything anyone wanted to say on job loss from the professional's point of view? I guess in terms of jobs, I agree that maybe there are certain jobs, potentially quite repetitive ones that could be like replaced in the short term. But I think we don't see that maybe the net loss might not be that jobs are lost. There could be new positions created, some that you know we won't even know what the title is now. For instance, it could be just taking a scan of a particular area of your hand or something. If it's a skin detection for a skin diagnosis and you want to, over time, you want to see how it's progressed, you can easily just put your hand under the machine. The air tells you yes or no, it's improved or not for a particular scar. It could be something like that. Or it could be, for instance, looking at your blood results and comparing it over time. It could be something repetitive like that. The doctor won't have to look at it. The air already have it up and ready for you on the screen, on a document. And in that way, it's taken away that repetitive going back, finding a file. It does it all for you, for instance. Let's talk a bit more about the trust issues that exist in this area. Why do these exist and what can artists, patients and researchers do to help to instill trust in the systems that are already in use in hospitals around the world? Could I just start by talking about this process and what's come out of the conversations? Sure. Um, So I think that As Sam said, the young people didn't have an awful lot of trust in AI in terms of their healthcare. And that's because they've had these relationships with doctors and nurses and consultants since they were babies. And one point that came out that I thought was really interesting was that they would get a more kind of nuanced response from people. So they may have data about them that would suggest a certain course of treatment, but AI wouldn't know what their priorities are as an individual. So, you know, they would suggest and we can't have it all but my priorities might be more athletic or you know how I see my future and their consultants that have known them from birth would know what they are and would be able to kind of treat them accordingly. A human would know what their priorities are as an individual that they're seen as individuals and not just as data and not just as heart patients but as people and they didn't believe that AI would be able to see them as people in the same way. 
wouldn't it be possible just to feed that information into the machines from the beginning? So Joe's priorities are athletics, Sandy's priorities are dancing or whatever. Isn't that possible? Well, they did then go on to talk about, because an important time in their lives, as Sam might tell us more about, is transitioning from paediatric care to adult care. And they were asking people like Tyreen and the other researchers, how might AI help with that transition into adult care? And some of the suggestions were... You know basically what you're saying about and making sure that all of that information is available to the new doctor so not that they're presented with an ai that's treating them but the ai has helped that new doctor to really understand them and everything about them without asking the same questions and having to note take and all of that process taking a really long time and freeing up that doctor to have a personal relationship and build that relationship with your adult doctor i think you know, my research focuses a lot on trust in cardiac AI applications. And one of the things I had to look at at first was how do humans interact and how do they gain trust with one another? And one of the kind of tools that I'm using is confidence in predictions. And that's what we've highlighted that could be quite important. So current AI models might be really high performing models and just give you outputs in terms of metrics. But we're trying to see how confident these models are in their prediction so that it can be used as a support tool. So for instance, if a clinician is utilizing an AI tool to, for instance, detect a particular disease and the model can tell you how confident it is in telling you that this person has a particular disease, if they're making an incorrect you know, outcome and the doctor realizes this, they might not utilize the AI tool in that case because in the model saying it's incorrect and I'm not confident. So in that case, the doctor can use their judgment. So we're trying to build systems that are a bit more transparent and can tell you a little bit more in terms of what they're doing and how they're making these decisions, which I think is quite important. And I think also through things like this, the collaborations and public engagement, a lot of discussion, trying to talk to the patients through echo teams as well, but also kind of thinking about how we can take that information back to the research teams and say, what can we do from our perspective to think about all of these things? So maybe we can start looking at things like randomized control trials for AI tools. So we try and put that into the hospitals and you see how it works. Maybe something doesn't work, it comes back. So there should be this back and forth. So, you know, over time we can develop trust similar to how we interact as humans over our experiences and behavior over time. We see where things can for work for us and what can't and have it as a tool for us, not that, you know, it takes over everything and there's just this robot like you meet all the time, which I think is still maybe too futuristic to think about. It's about what we can do now in terms of getting to a stage where we still have that human interaction, but make it easier for doctors to have that empathy, have that time with their patients. Anyone else? Anything else? So it was really interesting when young people spoke about what could people do to help them trust AI. Some of the distrust that come have come from things like movies and watching you know, AI take over the world or do something really negative. And what they felt would be really helpful was more positive stories about how AI is actually helping in healthcare. So whether that's from patient notes or information diagnosis and and sharing what's happening around the world. So projects like this, where we're able to work in partnership with, you know, researchers, with patient and parent involvement groups and with artists just allows us to start that conversation. And I know far reaching, not just the young people that took part, but other young people with heart conditions have been really moved by this. And we've already had people that have seen the kind of artwork and are interested and have reached out to our charity just because of this project. 
Anything else, Annie? So the researchers were saying, you know, actually AI is, you know, some of these processes are automated already. So it's it's that thing that Sam was saying about being put off by media representation. But some of these things are simple, kind of not simple, but they're, they're tasks that are being taken that, that, yeah, free up the doctor's time. And I think artists, just from what you all described about the whole process of uh, bringing the project to life and the workshops and so artists are just making it just more interesting. You know what I mean? Like something you want to be involved in and you want to do. And can I just make a pitch here and say in terms of um, positive storylines coming out, of you know films and so maybe echo teens can pitch uh, spielberg for a film about the patient's hard journeys <laughs> steven's email address we'd love to, um, <laughs> to have a film club actually and, and members of our film club were part of this project so who knows what's i i mentioned that because <laughs> in a previous episode i mentioned Spielberg's film AI from 20 years ago, which proved the young people's point. Okay, tell us anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up. From Echo's perspective, what I'd like to say is just how important it is for researchers, artists to actually collaborate and listen to young people or patients across this journey, because it isn't just about science, it's actually about the people at the end of it who will benefit. So I'm really grateful for this project and I hope many more projects like it spring up as a result. I guess from a research perspective, definitely echo exactly what Sam said. But I also think it's quite important. I think we spoke about how distrust comes from you know, these robots in movies. So I think it's very important to find the right channels to learn more about AI. And I think everybody as individuals should try and learn more about it because it's going to be part of your daily lives and part of your healthcare journey. You can visit, for instance, King's Institute for AI. So that's www.kcl.ac.uk slash AI. You can look at things like the Turing Institute and be wary of these big taglines. AI is taking your job. Always look read see who they're quoting is it a research university or is it just somebody making these claims try and educate yourself and try and use the opportunities and things like you know the science gallery where people have put up these exhibitions to try and help you understand ai and also create these conversations with families and friends and discuss them annie yeah so there's also a behind the scenes film that shows the process of this work so if you wanted to have a look at at triple dot makers on instagram you'd be able to see that behind the scenes film which gives you an insight to how we were really just trying to start a conversation and open that out to visitors so I'd also recommend people just come along and see the exhibition while it's on and it just shows that human connection so between the young people and researchers and between us as artists and I think that that's something that AI can never take away this human connection. Annie Woodson, Samantha Johnson and Tareen DeWood thanks so much for being here with us on the workplace to discuss AI in the medical field. Thank you so much for having us. Before we go, here is a montage of the young people sharing their thoughts on using AI in their healthcare journey. AI is a useful tool that can use to help humans make decisions, but I don't think we should become over-reliant on it. It should be something to, uh, to use to help us. It's a life-threatening decision to be made. It really does need someone with like human um, intelligence just to check that everything is like okay to go forward. It's not that like AI isn't trustworthy, it's just that it does sort of, in healthcare, it does kind of need someone at the end of it. Over the years, you kind of build this like real strong 
relationship with like your doctor, like with my consultant, I've known him since I was, well, he's known me more like, um, since I was, you know, literally born. So you kind of get that sort of real trust with the two of you, whereas if it was to suddenly go to being completely dependent on AI or on technology, it would sort of be a little bit harder for the patient. They know like what aspects of life are important to you, of what you want, the outcome of like future life and how treatment's gonna support how you want to live your life. Whereas AI won't, they don't have a relationship in that way to make those decisions. And like to still look at us as people and not our medical conditions. Heart conditions aren't what makes us, they're only a part of us. And that's it for this episode of The Workplace, the programme about how to get into, get along and get ahead at work. Produced and presented by me, NND. This was episode number five in the AI season here on the programme in which we discussed AI in the medical field with Annie Woodson, Director at Triple Dot Makers, Samantha Johnson, Chief Executive at Echo Charity, and Tareen DeWood, a PhD researcher at King's College London, who spoke about their installation, Artificial Intelligence, in the Science Gallery London exhibition, AI Who's Looking After Me. AI Who's Looking After Me is on until the 20th of January, 2024. Please visit london.sciencegallery.com and search for artificial intelligence to view the installation and visit triple.makers.com echo-uk.org forward slash echo-teens and kcl.ac.uk for more information. My thanks as always to all those who have made this program possible. This program was first broadcast on Community Arts Radio Station Resonance 104.4 FM, which is a charity. Please support us at resonancefm.com forward slash donate and on Patreon. Special thanks to ARC Club for supporting AI season here on The Workplace. To find out more about ARC Club, please visit arc-club.com. ARC Club the fabulous co-working space that is more than just a workspace. Please stay tuned to The Workplace and connect with me using hashtag Workplace NND. And thank you so much for listening. As always, it's been a pleasure being in your company. Till next time, keep finding new and better ways to keep working.